0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special podcast for the Teller County Sheriff's Office. This is going to be talking about COVID-19, and there's a lot of questions out there. There's a lot of concerns, and we wanted to get a guest in here who is a, a subject matter expert. So today we're going to have, of course, Renee Bunting is with us. The sheriff, Jason Michaels is here. Also, Dr. Jeremy DeWall. He's the medical director for Teller County and the region. Thanks for having me. So we had some information put out that we were taking questions. We do have some questions. I guess we could start there. Tommy, what do you got?
1: The first question I have is from Ted C., who asks, are the deputies seeing good social distancing practices in the county?
2: Well, I think I can take that one. You know, really we are. We're not seeing uh, large groups. We're not seeing a lot of uh, folks that are trying to mingle. I think everybody understands the seriousness of things and they're taking the precautions um, that are being put out by public health, which is doing a good job in putting those precautions out there. Um, So I I think
1: right now we're seeing a good social distancing in the county. The second question comes from Starla T. Where can we find information on neighbors in need so we can offer help?
2: Well, Starla, I think um, I'm going to turn that one over to Renee Bunting. There are several Um, areas that you can get information and turn that information in that gets back to us and all of the command structure for Teller County um, through our Office of Emergency Management, Department of Health, that can help with those. Renee, you want to talk about that a little bit?
3: Sure. So one of the things we actually started uh, right away as soon as we found out the schools were going to be closed, um, Steve Wolf, the superintendent, reached out to Community Partnership to put together these backpacks for the children, and they took them home and they had a phone number to call when their backpack was empty. We ask for donations, and because of Community Partnerships' location in Divide, we set up another location collection spot at Keller Williams in Woodland Park, and that's 107 Sundial, uh, right there by the uh, old Denny's. So they are doing collections daily, and then they're running everything out to uh, community partnership to put together little baskets and kits. And also, they are taking things over to the Teller Senior Coalition, Uh, Kathy Lowry and her group are awesome and they're getting everything ready and packed up. They have all kinds of items for our seniors. Then the drivers, because no one's going to any appointments, they are actually taking that, uh, any items out there to the seniors uh, that they're needing and also asking them what items do they need from the grocery store so they can pick them up. Then they'll get reimbursed you know, later on. But they're able to go out there, they already know the addresses, they're making those deliveries, and then they're also going to help community uh, partnership to get their stuff out there To those areas as well. We have asked for volunteers uh, to come in to see if they can help, and we've also asked for people if they can drop off donations to do so in both locations. And if you need more information, you can always give me a call at 687-9652.
2: Something else, Tommy, with that is, and and I want to broaden and have people understand, when Renee says we, that is we as Teller County. That's all of the agencies, Woodland Park, Cripple Creek, Teller County, government, um, public health, Office of Emergency Management, Sheriff's Office, all of those organizations are working together to deliver the information Absolutely. and help with the needs of everyone in the community. So if you get a hold of any of those areas, what we'll do is we'll post a phone number and some information on how to contact us also at the end of this um, onto our website. But that would be the way to contact us if you have someone in need in your area that, that, that um, want to remain anonymous.
3: And also, if someone needs something, they can absolutely call us, uh, let us know, and we will get that out there. And don't forget, on Monday, we're also doing the uh, Little Chapel Food Pantry Distribution Center will be open at 3.30. We have the posse out there working to help people and also for traffic control, but uh, they should have a really good crowd over there, and I know they've received a lot of donations to help with that distribution center.
1: Okay, the next question is from Whitney O., Uh, The question is, what is the status of our SCC in regard to testing supplies and PPE for our
4: healthcare workers? Excellent, I think I could take that question. Um, Currently, uh, as we know throughout the nation, throughout the world, as well as locally, we do have extreme limitations on PPE or personal protective equipment, which is the gowns, the gloves, the masks that our emergency services and hospital providers use for caring for patients. Um, with that we do have a stock available in teller county we are able to still function well we're able to protect our providers to sure ems resilience throughout this and hospital resilience as well as to assure that we can respond to patients Um, As some of you may or may not have seen, if you've had EMS in your area responding to calls, uh, you will see some changes. Some of the changes are that we limit the number of providers sometimes responding to the call based on the severity of that, uh, that particular situation, and that's based on some national guidelines we use. Um, In addition, we limit the number of responders going into a home and sometimes even asking the patient to step out into their garage or into an outside area, which decreases the risk of exposure of any type of virus, uh, whether it's COVID, influenza, anything to those providers to just make it safer. Um, This also allows us to limit the amount of personal protective equipment used. Um, We are looking at other uh, techniques. that are in place as far as uh, different methods that we may be able to uh, sterilize and reuse some of that equipment in the future. Um, we're working with all of our, our agencies through law enforcement, fire, EMS, uh, Office of Emergency Management and many others helping to secure any more additional uh, equipment and, uh, and needs that we have to care for those patients.
1: Our next question dealing with COVID-19, instead of listing just the symptoms, can you list how the symptoms progress and how long they last?
4: Certainly. Uh, Yes, absolutely. So the symptoms for COVID-19 are are a bit different than influenza, which is fascinating. So our typical influenza that we see yearly and seasonally um, typically is a pretty abrupt onset. In 24 to 48 hours, people develop fever and pretty significant respiratory symptoms right off the bat. The issue that we're having with COVID-19 and the reason that it's spreading so rapidly is because people tend to, on average, by some of the Johns Hopkins data that we have, on average, they have no symptoms for about 5.1 days before they develop symptoms. And then they tend to develop these vague viral symptoms like a little sore throat, little body aches, little fatigue. Uh, maybe a little bit of respiratory congestion. And about a week into the symptoms is when they finally start developing some fevers and some more significant respiratory symptoms. So in the meantime, for this first week, and some of these patients don't even get symptoms up to 11 and a half, 12 days out from when they've initially gotten the actual COVID-19. They're out and about seeing their friends, seeing their loved ones, you know, visiting nursing homes in the past, things like that. And that is the, one of the big reasons, amongst many, of the rapid spread of this disease. And it's also the reason that we're taking social distancing so serious because you a lot of people have the condition before they ever know they have it. And that's the most dangerous time for the community because now they're going and spreading it throughout the entire community, not on purpose. Nobody's doing it on purpose. It's because they're just trying to live their life. So that's why we have such extreme measures right now um, in regards to requesting social distancing. Um, I actually think there was another component to that question, too, Tommy. Wasn't there regarding how long it lasts for? Yes. Okay, so to answer that portion, um, that's a key thing, and we've actually talked to a lot of community members. We we do have people who are sick in the community, and we know this disease is within Teller County. We don't have laboratory-confirmed cases, but from a medical community standpoint, we know there are infected people. We know we're trying to do the right stuff here to, uh, to prevent spread. Um, But what people have found is that this does last a long time. So the general recommendations are if you develop symptoms from the time you actually have symptoms, you should absolutely stay out of public for 10 days from the time of symptom onset, as well as 72 hours after resolution of the fever. So that's the current recommendations from Center for Disease Control. Um, That's very different than what we usually recommend for the standard influenza. Um, But this is what we're finding from our data from across the world. So, Dr. DeWall, you did
0: mention social distancing. Let's talk about that for a
4: little bit yeah so the recommendations for social distancing right now there's a a few different concepts one is uh, six feet away at least we know that's safe Um, cdphe colorado department of public health environment uh, since it's colorado of course said came up with a skis distance away if you used to use long skis anyway now they're a lot shorter Uh, but that's the key and uh, even us in this room we are well well beyond six feet away Um, we we also are trying to decrease any uh, exposure to each other as much as we can. This is very important to get this information out to you. That's why we're here together. But in a lot of our other meetings, we're doing virtual meetings, virtual education, um, even with training of our EMS providers, et cetera. The other things are just stay home. Don't go out, do those other projects, and, uh, and don't feel that saying stay at home or schools out or those situations means get all your buddies together play video games together or go have a bunch of beers together or that kind of stuff it's have your beer together over face, Facebook or something like that, or FaceTime or one of those, or you know Skype or something like that. Do it that way. That uh, would have be your, a social drinker type situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, yeah. Have your wine parties. You, so, know, you, can, you can do wine tasting. Each one has a different <laughs> bottle at their home and they can show it. I, I've actually heard people doing this already in Colorado Springs, believe it or not. Oh, okay. um, so it does happen. So that's, cool. that's the key with social distancing, I think, is just give your space. That's what matters. <laughs>
1: okay. The next question is, is Safeway the only store in Woodland Park offering senior hours? Both Safeway and Walmart define seniors as 60 years old or older for senior shopping. For Walmart, senior hours are Tuesday, 6 to 7 a.m., and for Safeway, the hours are 7 to 9 Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, Now, City Market, I couldn't quickly pull up that information, so I don't have that at hand.
3: So I'm pretty sure that where I read it was Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 6 to 7 a.m
4: and please pick up a little bit extra for your elderly neighbors people in the community and you know like we said just leave it outside allow them to, uh, to keep their safe distances uh, leave it outside on the porch give them a call let them know that you left them a little present of whatever it is that really goes a long way and it especially goes a long way for cheering up those folks we know that the highest risk population for us right now is the 65 and older um, who are getting sick about 80 percent of the hospitalizations are, are in that age range that being said We have also seen 35 to 55, about 20% of those folks are requiring some hospital care, at least initial evaluation. Um, So please keep that in mind as well. If you are getting sick, if you're doing okay, stay home. Please use 911 for what it's meant for emergency response and uh, please leave the hospital to be a hospital and an emergency department for the sickest of the sick that need to be there. Um, we're, we're not testing everyone. That There's not enough test medium, and there's not enough reason to do that. We know the disease is here throughout the United States, the entire United States and every community, and that's not to scare anyone, it's to inform. And the reason we're informing you that is You don't need to be tested. If you have a viral cold, you probably have influenza or one of the other many viruses, or you could have COVID-19. They're all treated the same in general. It's symptomatic management, and if you do get truly sicker that you need resources, that's why we have emergency resources available. They're not available to tell you whether or not you have a disease. That's not the purpose right now. The purpose is to treat the sickest of the sick so that we can care for those folks.
3: Well, Dr. DeWall, I just want—I wanted to say I really appreciate you being here because we have had a lot of questions on our social media pages. And I think you being here and giving those answers, uh, people are going to feel more comfortable because, you know, you're, you're here talking about it. And, you know, we they can call us, but we have to tell them, hey, you have to call here, call your doctor, call public health. And so I just really appreciate you taking the time to be here. So thank, thank you. you. And
4: we're, we're adding on to as many public websites as we can. Um, clean the sheriff website public health telemedicine options and and telemedicine is huge we have Numerous telemedicine partners, some of them are which are insurance-based, based on what type of insurance. We're getting as many as we can put up. That's helpful. Share that information with your neighborhoods. Um, there's some uh, hospital-based ones as well. There's multiple options. We're also working on setting up nurse call lines that can give medical information. Uh, the state of Colorado, CDPHE, also, if you look up Colorado Helps, their phone number, Um, and maybe we can add that on here as well, so they have that phone number uh, with the podcast, that is for information about COVID-19 in general. Um, But what we're really trying to do is make our, our community as informed as possible, Uh, Make sure everybody's aware that we are doing everything from an emergency services side. We have a tremendous group of leadership across the board. We're working with physicians not only locally here, but within our region, within our state, within our nation, and even internationally to make sure that we are giving the best top-notch care to our community um, when they need it. And also giving them good information so they know when it's just okay to stay home, rest, and catch up on those things you haven't gotten done yet. So that's it for the uh, for the questions. Doc, I had a follow-up question to something you said. Um, I think
0: you said that even if you've had a fever and then that goes away, most people at that point say, well, I'm no longer uh, contagious, right? Mm-hmm. But you're saying three days after that, you could still be, correct?
4: Correct. Um, based on the data that we have, uh, some people can actually, when, if we – take some samples from patients and look at them. Some of them actually still have the coronavirus RNA, in other words, the actual virus itself, that we can obtain up to four weeks plus out. But it doesn't appear that those folks, as best we can tell right now by data, are still infectious. In other words, can still spread that disease. Um, That is one of the big reasons that the CDC has recommended that 72 hours without fever and at least 10 days from the initial symptom onset. If you can go 14 days, if you can go 21, that is honestly better for the community. There is no question about that. There are other recommendations out there that saying 14 days is a number. Some do still say 21. Our general rule right now is 10 days from symptom onset and 72 hours without a fever. I just think
0: it's really hard to deal with something that you can't see. And I think that's part of the problem. People think, well, I, I can't see this person in obvious state of sickness talk about what kind of technologies that people can use to be not anti-social but less social and and keep that distance like you know phone calls uh uh live chat or whatever sure
4: skype Skype, Facebook, I mean, uh, Facebook's a great one, especially if you have uh, elderly folks that uh, you care about and in your family and in your community. Um, as one of the questions was, how do I reach out? How do I know? I think making some of those connections now, we don't want people knocking on doors asking you know, how how are you feeling, what can I get you, because we want that social distancing. If you're bringing stuff to someone's house, leave it outside, give them a phone call, let them know you left them some food outside, or you left them, you know, toilet paper, as we all know is an issue, Um, even though that has nothing to do with this disease, um, it's just people are worried about that. I think uh, as we uh, were kind of talking on the side previously, um, there's weird things communities are doing, which is fun. If you look at some of the overseas communities, Italy, Spain, people are standing outside in closer neighborhoods and singing together and playing music together and pulling out their guitars that they haven't played in forever, things like that. Um, in Milwaukee, they actually started putting Christmas lights up outside. So uh, it's funny because we have, um, um, I actually know someone in the Springs who put a post up that said, boy, it took coronavirus for my neighbor to finally take down his Christmas lights. Yet in other parts <laughs> of the nation, they're putting up Christmas lights to give some joy to their neighbors and also say, you know what, if you need to go out, you could hop in your car, you can drive around yourself, you're, you're socially distant, You can look at some Christmas lights and then go back home and keep that spread from occurring, but also feel like you're getting out and doing something.
1: You
2: know, and I think it's important right now. And as a sheriff, I look around and the one thing I see is we have a very prepared community uh, as opposed to some. I think that, you know, there are people that are panicking and I'd like to emphasize the panic is starting to be part of the problem. It doesn't need to be such a panic for things your distributions, your food trucks, all those things are coming. It's just people are buying up more than what they would normally buy and stores weren't ready for that impact yet. PPE, is it harder to get? Absolutely. But that's why we put into effect social distancing. And I want people to understand this county cares and we are putting things in place. There is planning being done. You have a great group of first responders that are going to assist in anything that happens. You have great elected officials from both Woodland Park, City of Cripple Creek, City of Victor, Teller County government that have come together and that are working on issues as a team. Mm-hmm. And I think that message is so important to put out and that we have community members that are assisting through volunteer capabilities. We have folks coming together to work together that haven't done that before. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for me to see that positive you know piece that's going out there, And there's so much negative being put out. And I think what people need to do is look at the positive pieces of how people are coming together and helping each other. I think that's the important piece to take away from this. We're stronger together than we are as separate. And I just want to pass that message along to stay positive. Um, Don't panic. You know, things are going to be okay and we will get through this. Do we expect another surge of this? Possibly a third surge of this at some point? Maybe. Maybe. But right now, we can only take day-to-day, and we just have to work together and just respect people and be kind. I think that's the biggest message we can put out.
3: I agree. I think that's the biggest thing. And uh, one of the things we were talking about earlier was get out and uh, go hiking. You know, it doesn't mean you have to stay in your house. If you're able to, you know, go out and shovel, um, do something. And, And I think being outside is really good. Uh, for, for, especially for the kids, you know, they don't want to be homebound and stuck in the house, you know, in between breaks, let them go out and play basketball. Well, not today, but um, <laughs> yeah, they could have yesterday, but no, I'm just saying to get outside and get some fresh air. I well, think it's important. I think too. the big
2: thing is shut the media off for a while. Absolutely. Just enjoy life and know that the sun's still coming up tomorrow. <laughs> um, and, and just to go on with life to a degree that we have some changes, no doubt, but go on with life.
4: Yeah, and we know that, that that's extremely important in these situations. People naturally go into crisis mode, naturally are worried, number one, about their family and then about their friends and their and their local community. And we, we do have an amazing community here. Um, getting outside, taking that time, turning off the TV is also important for our mental health. We know that in these situations of crisis... A lot of people do well, but a lot of people don't as well, because they do isolate themselves to an extent that they're not getting the resources they need, or they're not just getting out and living a bit of life. They get too consumed by what's occurring around them. This is very different than a tornado or even a wildland fire, for that matter. Wildland fires last days to weeks, typically, right? Um, Tornadoes last a day. This is something that's going to be around for a while, that we're going to be dealing with likely for months is what our current estimates are, but we can deal with that together. And interestingly, it allows us that opportunity to also look inside ourselves and look at different things. Like I said, like pick up that guitar you haven't, played in three years and learn how to play it again or you know what read that book you've been planning on reading or go get that house project done that you wanted to work on that you never have time for but now you have some time as you're at your home so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of good opportunities looking at the positive sure absolutely i do
2: want to also say steve wolf's done an amazing job at the school district he has he really cares about those kids and those families he does uh, does. he's been in multiple meetings with us and and i'm just always impressed and i just want to pass that on as he's doing a great job as a school superintendent
3: And you know, it's good because he kept his sense of humor because uh, today he said, I was going to call a snow day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's funny. I just wanted to go through real quick, just from a a layman's person's perspective. Someone's out there right now and they feel like they don't feel good. Uh, What's the next trigger point to where they should take action? And then what is that action? The first action someone would take. I, I don't feel good. I think now I have a fever and I've got some body aches. First thing.
4: Take care of yourself, and if your family members aren't sick, we recommend that you try to stay away from them. Uh, Socially isolate within a home, kind of put yourself in a room or two rooms that's separate from them. Um, obviously, you have to commingle your family. Um, a lot of families actually are, you know, if it's a husband-wife or, or partner couple, just separating out, um, staying in different rooms, etc. That's reasonable. That's the best thing to do. Just like you would for regular influenza. Essentially, if you caught the common cold or the flu, you do the same stuff, right? You stay away from your family. You don't share things. You take you know, Tylenol if you need it for fevers or chills, um, and you take care of yourself. Uh, There's really no need to go see a physician or any sort of medical care for that? That we've had common colds around since the beginning of our existence, and they will continue around forever. So it's it's think about what you would do for your standard cold, and it's the exact same thing. Stay out of public. Make sure if you're coughing, you're coughing in your uh, elbow area instead of on your hands. Wash your hands, etc. It's the same thing. If you get sicker, like it, let's escalate it. Now
0: I, I'm having difficulty breathing. I can't expel everything I've got. I don't feel like I can breathe very well.
4: Yeah. So there's there's two components to that, right? There's the I'm just not coughing everything up. And we we know with COVID-19, people are getting shortness of breath. Young people are getting shortness of breath. Everybody is. A lot of us have all had the flu at some point, and we know we don't feel 100 percent normal. We we have that discomfort a bit. We have some maybe pain just with coughing in the chest, right? But if it's constant chest pain and you're elderly, that's a different thing. Call 911. If it's, well, every time I cough, it's a little sore. That's a very different thing, right? So use some common judgment there. If it's a shortness of breath of, wow, I can't clear this out. That's very different than I can't walk five feet without having to stop and and try to catch up on my breath so there is some judgment call for folks but what we say is you should expect a bit of shortness of breath with this disease all right that's expected but if it's progressively worsening to the point that you're not able to do your normal daily activities um, you're not able to get to the kitchen those are times that you need help Um, it's reasonable in the interim in between if things are slowly progressing to use the telemedicine platforms they're excellent because they can look at you see you and tell you and help you know are you sick enough you need to go somewhere or are you not so it's a great interim A lot of insurance companies have those a lot of the companies even if you don't have insurance offer a very affordable uh, way to be seen by a physician and it's keeping you away from all those other sick people at clinics and hospitals and everywhere else that if you don't have it you're less likely to get it by staying away from those areas But if you feel like there's an acute change, you're getting significantly worse. That is the time to call nine one one or use the hospital system. Um, That's absolutely appropriate, Um, and and we're set up for that.
0: And like you said earlier, folks will they will call nine one one. They will get one of our dispatchers in this county. We have three public safety answering points. Whether it depends on where you live, all of those dispatchers are going to ask the exact same questions. Some of the questions have been uh, kind of changed specifically for screening of COVID nineteen patients. And so they may get a little bit different questions, but that's just to make sure that when we send you help out, they the, the crews themselves take the their they follow their own special protocols for COVID. And so you may not see a whole a Whole fire truck and, a, and an ambulance crew come up and be on your porch, you may just see one person, or they may call inside and have you come to the door but don't open the door. They may communicate with you there just briefly before they even do some sort of assessment. And of course, if you need immediate help, they're going to be there for that as well. But just want to get folks to know that they're going to see a little bit of changes and some responses. And that's not because anybody's scared of, of this thing, it's just that we have to protect the people who protect the people.
4: Exactly, and it also keeps additional resources available for other calls. As we know, as as our numbers of COVID increase throughout the United States and through our community, there will be more strain on emergency services. So if we can have a fire truck show up to assess that patient first, or an ambulance, or, you know, whatever, first responder unit and limit the resources. That keeps those additional resources available for other people within our community. And I, I agree, there's there's some hysteria with COVID and, and it's understandable. It's We don't, as a as a public, we don't always understand all the nuances. And as you mentioned, Greg, it's that concept of people don't understand this because you can't see it. It's not like a fire that you can see and you know where it is. It's a little more elusive to folks. So they don't, They get scared, and with that being scared, then they start worrying and overcrowding ERs and overcrowding hospitals and overwhelming the 911 system. And the people who really get hurt from that, quite frankly, are probably not going to be the COVID-19 folks, right? There's gonna be a group of people that get very sick that we have to help with that. Most will get better, um, especially in the middle-aged to younger population. The people who are gonna get hurt are folks who are having heart attacks, strokes, trauma, other infectious things because if our system's overwhelmed by the worried well, as we call it, that severely limits our ability to care for the sickest of the sick, whether it is a sick COVID-19 patient or a heart attack patient. Um, And that's why we're really asking the public to number one, be informed. And, And don't read into the other Facebook posts or some of the media hype or those kind of things. We're going to give you, through this group, the best information that we have in an honest way so that you guys can make your own choices with it. Uh, But we want everybody to be informed and educated and realize when they utilize certain resources, it does somewhat take that away from other folks in our community as as talking about how do we help each other, right? That's the way is by realizing what our impact is on someone else and someone else's life.
2: And, And just to follow up with that, and that's something that's very important about these podcasts and the information we're trying to get out there, share it, share it with everybody let everybody know where to find this information because this is the information that we're able to give out where you're able to ask questions and get answers from in the county. Yep. And, and in most places, you can't get that feedback. So what I'm asking for, and we'll have Dr. Dwell on a lot more with more questions. We'll also have a, the director of office of emergency management for Teller County to talk about the response and the planning system um, because we're all involved in that right now. We're, there's a team of all the county officials Um, city officials that are involved in that planning process so we're going to bring you more information but just keep sharing it because we want everybody to hear our message as to how we're handling this and what you can expect as a community
1: doctor earlier you were talking about the uh, phone number for colorado help I did a quick search and came up with covid19.colorado.gov. Uh, they have the Colorado help number uh, boxes to push on the website like do I need quarantine, what's closed and, or canceled or that kind of thing.
4: So is this say, a, a good resource that we're talking about here? That's absolutely perfect. And I believe that one you're talking about is the CDPHE website, correct?
3: That is correct. Yeah, oh, yes, so it that is, is Colorado is. Department
4: of Public Health and Environment. Um, one of the uh, gentlemen that I work closely with there, Dr. Jeff Beckman, is our state EMS medical director. He also does medical direction for a lot of agencies in the uh, Denver surrounding area. Um, and uh, we work closely together regarding our emergency response. That's an excellent website. It is a great group of people that are very knowledgeable regarding COVID-19, and they do give some very straightforward advice. Um, So if you are having those questions of escalation of care, how do you escalate care, when do I need to do this versus that, that's a great spot to go to. Um, As I mentioned, we are working on uh, getting more information out on nursing call lines for specific medical questions if you are sick as well, because that's another great resource um, that we'll be working on.
1: On covid19.colorado.gov, they have the Colorado Help Number, and that's one eight seven seven four six two two nine one one. That's for general questions about COVID nineteen and provides answers in English, Spanish, uh, and other languages.
4: And they give a whole bunch of other information. They talk about lots of different um, uh, emerging things. So it's actually a good site, um, even when we're not dealing with COVID 19, um, but definitely it's a go to spot. It is not a 24 7 uh, site, though, just so folks know that Um, it it does have limited hours, um, but it's wonderful for general information. And it is accurate, good information that will be helpful for you.
3: And they are constantly putting new information out of that site. And so for people who want to know, we try not to use acronyms, but the CDPHE is actually the Colorado. Department of Public Health and Environment. So check out that website. It's really got some great information, and like I said, they're constantly um, updating and adding new information because it is constantly changing. We just every day is something different. So I think it's really important that people know when they say, "Well, yesterday you said this," that you know it's constantly changing. We're always updating. Exactly.
2: Well, and honestly, it seems like it's changing every hour from <laughs> from where we sit. It's uh, it's it's an ever changing environment, and, and I think the we just have to stay calm with it and, and work through it.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we're in a great position. Teller County, um, I'm, I'm proud of it. I've been up here as the medical director for Teller County Emergency Medical Services for I think I'm going on seven years now. And I, I'm really proud of our community. I'm proud of our leadership and I'm especially proud of our emergency services providers. Within the region I cover, we have 258 EMS providers, volunteer and paid, um, that are out there ready to help us and and help you. And they are extremely well-informed. Daily, we do uh, updates with that group. Um, We are doing separate uh, just video meetings with them to answer any of their questions from an actual patient treatment, care transport perspective. We have uh, changed our guidelines for EMS care for our patients uh, to stay top notch on the front lines with this as well as, uh, as I mentioned, working collaboratively throughout our region and state to really be giving the cutting edge best care for the community. A lot of people, um, especially visitors who may not know the area, they sometimes wonder, well, when I'm in the mountains, am I getting the same care as you are in the big cities? And I can guarantee you and promise you that from the time of seeing a physician to telehealth to calling 911 if you do need it to going to the hospital, you you are receiving the best care that you possibly can get. We are sometimes even exceeding and quite frankly, frequently exceeding the standards of care in other parts of our state and our nation. Um, and I'm pretty proud of our folks that are out there doing it, which is amazing. So I hope uh, our community is as well.
2: You know, and I, I do want to bring up a point that that happened yesterday. Well, 48 hours ago, we determined that we needed a surge uh, hospital. So just like everybody else is putting up tents and different things, we were able to secure a building through the, our group, and they were able to have that building retrofitted and outfitted in 48 hours, which... Is a miracle. I've never seen anything like it. It
3: is. And it looks fabulous. If you were not there the first day and that we were all shaking our heads saying, will this be ready? And even that night, I could not believe how much work they had done. And the next day we all went over there to take a look and it does. It looks incredible. They've done a great job.
2: And the good thing is we may not need it, but it's part of the planning process. Absolutely. And the mm-hmm. possibility of needing it and to be able to set up those things for a community. Sure. Um, that goes a long ways with saying how fast your local governments, um, all of us in that planning process, and our logistics department, which is, you know, Fred Clifford from Public Works, yes. is able to get things accomplished. That, that's a feat that I, you know, that I can't even see the government doing most of the time. <laughs> but, but our group did, and, and that's, a, that's an amazing feat.
4: Yeah, another good example of that is the, uh, the community specimen collection site that we uh, had set up yesterday um, at the middle school here in Woodland Park. It was great. Um, I think the biggest reason is great. We did do some testing um, and, and this also speaks to how fast things change as well. Um, we did testing, uh, but more importantly, we actually had just folks showing up that had really good questions. Mm-hmm that we had folks that there's certain testing criteria and they've changed again. Um, And we had folks that met those criteria. We actually had more folks that did not meet the testing criteria. Um, But with that, they didn't mind. The people who came, they just wanted to understand what to expect. And these were people who may or may not have COVID and may or may not be sick, but they just wanted to be informed, which was awesome. And that's the purpose of this venue and, and many others we have and will have. Um, now, speaking of change, we actually at this point um, have determined through recommendations and they're good recommendations that uh, at this point we won't continue doing that testing site because there's actually a shift. We have a shift that we're going to keep our uh, medium for testing because there's very limited supplies for the for the sickest of the sick in the hospitals, which is the right thing to do. Um, we know that this disease is in our community we know it's been it's not that it just showed up today or yesterday this disease has been in our community including teller county we feel fairly confident of this for weeks if not longer than that Um, it's just we don't we no longer need a number or a swab to tell us that we know it's here we know it's going to be here we know it's going to grow before it gets better Um, and we know we we will manage that together as a community Um, so that's really where it's at right now And, and a lot of that was decided As a broad-based community effort. Yes.
2: Because what happened was, is we're trying to keep the PPE that we actually have in stockpile for the first responders to deal with the people that are sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important because there's such a limited supply now because we're not getting any more. So this is a supply that the, the, the government agencies within Teller County have been stockpiling for a long time for an event. And that's the uh, Department of Public Health and uh, our Office of Emergency Management and all of our local governments had been thinking these things for quite some time. So this is actually previous planning that was done in strategic planning for years
4: mm-hmm.
2: is now coming to fruition in a need.
4: That's exactly exactly right. And we do training for this. We, we practice this. I mean, this is this event in particular is something different than anybody's ever thought, but we've known it could happen. We've known there was risk of it happening at some point, and uh, and we've been prepared and. We have had structures in place to deal with smaller incidents to large pandemics like this. Um, and I think that really speaks to how prepared Teller County is with having those stockpiles, with having training, with having folks who understand incident command systems and the ability to get resources not only from within Teller County, but from the state and the federal government as well, as far as equipment, if we can get it, when we can get it.
2: Well, Dr. Wall, I just want to say thank you very much for coming today. and
0: Absolutely. And then, Greg, you want to close it out? Sure. So just to remind you, we're going to put Tommy, our our producer here, is going to make sure to put all of those telehealth resources that we spoke about. He'll put every phone number that we mentioned in this podcast. And we will also put the hours for the seniors at the local stores on there as well for you. And please give us feedback uh, either on the post itself or when we post this on Facebook. Go down, do the comments, say, hey, I want to see more of this. Hey, would you do it this way? Hey, I have other questions. We are open to that information because our main goal is to get the, the correct, transparent information to you as soon as we can.
4: One, one thing for the community uh, that I just want to make you guys aware of, this is up and coming as well, is um, we are going to be moving uh, more to a... Uh, telemedicine component, and I think this is important for everybody to start hearing about right now. Um, We've ordered some equipment, we're expecting uh, some EMS equipment to help us with this, and uh, we're setting up the platform right now. So um, we're looking at, and we'll get you more information on the website, that of what we're going to be using for a platform. We we have one of two we're going to use, and uh, may have a redundant backup system, that when you call 911, if you do need emergency services, that if you meet certain criteria we will actually uh, work with you through a telemedicine platform on your phone or computer so please make sure your computer is working and updated if you need it Uh, update your phone have that stuff ready and uh, our dispatchers or first responders will be giving you instructions uh, during that time if you do need help for Uh, respiratory type complaint COVID-19 concern uh, with emergency services Um, and that'll help keep you safe keep you uh, in your home um, and in that area and also uh, keeps a a lower need for using some of our personal protective equipment stuff so I just want to put that out there to our community Um, it's uh, top-notch it's leading edge what we're doing with that and uh, we're working with several other communities in the state that are also launching a similar program so it'd be great for us. Sounds like an exciting program that's awesome.
1: Okay,
0: well, thanks again, everyone,
1: and we'll see you next time. This podcast was made possible by the Teller County Honorary Deputy Sheriff's Association. The HDSA is a nonprofit organization dedicated to increasing public safety and awareness by providing safety and survivability equipment to deputies, administering community events like Shop with a Hero, and enabling information programs like this podcast.